You guys ready for the word? Let's do this. Uh, this morning, the message is on, we're continuing this from community to family, and it's compelled by love. Uh, and I'm going to add just a little part to it, compelled by love into inconvenient ministry. That's not up there. But this is really what I feel like the Lord has for us this morning. And so I'm going to move at a fast pace. Uh, and so stay with me um, as we go through this. And Lord, help me just to, uh, to get through everything that you want to bring in this short amount of time that we have. Uh, and I just want to say, first of all, as we, as we kick this off, and as we're going into this, I am so encouraged by where we are going and what's actually happening in this place. And, and just seeing the hearts of so many of you that are saying, I'm in, I'm all in, and we're going for this. And we have so many people that are jumping out and doing ministry work outside of just, you know, coming here on a Sunday morning, we're going for it. And that is so encouraging to me. Even last Sunday night, we had the finger of God too. And I believe that that shifted some mindsets. Uh, and we had, this place was pretty well packed out. Um, and it was exciting just to see uh, just like kind of this, oh my gosh, we can do this, guys. Like the Holy Spirit, when we partner with the Holy Spirit, we can do amazing things right here on this earth. And, uh, but there's some awesome things. I'm just going to mention a few things and then we're going to dive in. But uh, there's, a, there's a couple in here that they, they, every, uh, every week they just go and, and they go to these country, they go do country dancing. And as they go, their whole purpose is to find people to pray for. And it's been so awesome. They come in with all these praise reports and prayer requests like, oh, we found this person and we're praying for them. But what, I've, what we're finding is like it's doing this stuff in the everyday, in everything that we do. We don't like they're going, they enjoy to go country dancing. But in that, they actually minister. They become ministers of the Lord. Um, there's a, another couple that just started a, a ministry called Unite 314, and, and this is really to, they God put this on their hearts, and it's to, to minister to families, that family would come alongside family, and that we would do this stuff together, especially with kids and with adopted kids and, and with foster care, and that we could, but not just with that, but with when you have kids, that we'd actually have other families. We need help. Uh, some of us more than others. We need help. <laughs> <laughs> we have three kids, and I'm like, Marcus needs help. He's got seven kids. <laughs> but we need just people to come alongside each other to help as the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage you in that. We have so many volunteers on Wednesday night. You know, we have served over 35,000 meals to this community, which is awesome. And it, be, and it has happened because of this community and because of you guys stepping in and being those that are doing the setup, doing the teardown. Uh, you're the ones that are in there serving. You're the ones that are prepping the food. Uh, it takes an army to do this stuff. And it is amazing to see what God is doing in and through you. We have, uh, we have people that drive the bus. And, and I'm not going to mention any names because I know I'll miss names and then I'll be like, ah. And people will be like, hey, you didn't mention my name. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> so no names. Uh, but... Um, but people that drive the bus and go get the elderly from, from our uh, senior housing locations, and they'll bring them in here on Wednesday night to, just to have a meal. And they're so blessed. This becomes their community right here in the church on Wednesday nights. And it, it's like their, their thing that they come and do. And we get to bless them. We get to bring them in. We bus them in. And then we take them back. And we just love on them. Uh, we have the blessing room right over here, uh, just outside the, uh, the, these walls here. Uh, 
where we help about 60 families a week. And it comes from people pouring into it, giving to it, people setting it up, and then people being there as these people get to come in and just be blessed. We have, if you've seen it just in the last few days, we have so many uh, uh, boxes and things that, um, I don't, uh, canned goods that have come in. It's crazy. Uh, this came from uh, Castleview High School, and they brought in literally like a truckload of stuff that's sitting in there. So it's awesome. It's just the, the blessings are coming in so that we can pour out a blessing into this community. Um, we're starting up the Winter Shelter Network, and uh, we've, this will be the third year, and I'm just so grateful for those that volunteer, that those that are saying, yes, I want to be part of this to help homeless women uh, and, and children in this season, especially during the cold months. By the way, as Christy mentioned earlier, we still need overnight hosts. Um, we have a lot of the other positions filled, but if you can take one night, we just do it on Saturdays, take one Saturday night, uh, that would be a huge help. And so uh, be a part of that. Um, also, just our, our ushers and our greeters and our security team, which you never actually, they kind of are behind the scenes. They, they just serve week in and week out. It's such a blessing that they're just here to be here for us, to be the ones. We're, actually, we should all be greeters. I'm commissioning you. You're all greeters. <laughs> but, but as far as just ushering and our security team that's back there, uh, just as protecting us and going through training, and they're there for us. Uh, it's awesome that we have them here just to serve. Uh, gosh, there's so many things. Yeah, just we can just give those guys a hand. It's amazing. It's that servant's heart. Uh, we have people that uh, in the children's ministry that are serving. We have people uh, in our prayer and sozo and theophostics and counseling that are just there to help people that, man, they just can't hear from the Lord right now because they're down and out. And it's like, we're going to help them get to that point where they can actually hear from the Holy Spirit, that they can get back into that place, get whole and get healthy. And so we have those coming alongside people. We have something called the A-team that goes out and blesses people, especially with when uh, people are moving and the elderly and single moms and, and those that just need help with moves. They do it every weekend. And so we have men that are doing that every single weekend. We have uh, hospital teams that are going out to the hospitals and praying for people. Uh, and it's amazing. We've actually, they've been... Uh, they're now chaplains, even at, uh, they've been commissioned as chaplains at uh, Castle Rock at Venice, so they can go in there and, and go into the rooms without being questioned, like, why are you here? What are you doing? Like, no, I'm a chaplain. So, <laughs> and we just get to pray for them. We get to see healing in the hospitals, which is so amazing. So, uh, Denver Ignite is another thing that's going on where people are coming, and this is uh, uh, where there's... Uh, the Burmese refugees that we, and people from here are going all the time and helping on Friday nights. And so uh, that's amazing as well. So I just want to say, there's so much more. I go on and on. Uh, but I am so encouraged by the body of Christ, by what we're doing, by how we're going after this, by we're actually, we're tearing down these walls. Look, guys, it is not about just having an impact in our own lives, right here in this church, in, our, in these seats. It's about going outside these walls and making a difference. And the cool thing is, is we don't, sometimes we don't even have to go outside the walls. They're coming into the walls. They're coming out here to have these meals, and we just get to bless them. And I want to say, we are not just humanitarians. I've said this before. A lot of people do that. You don't have to be a Christian to do that. You don't have to be a believer. You don't have to uh, have faith in Jesus. You can be a humanitarian. You can be one that just cares for people, and that's great. But we have a greater calling. We want to love them. We want to love them like, 
with hands and feet. We want to actually bless them. But then we actually take it to the next level. And we, we want them to come into the kingdom. There's something, when we get compelled by love, when we have this love, understanding who the Father is and what he's done for us, it, to this, I believe that once we begin to truly get this at a deeper level, like, there's nothing that we wouldn't do to get the person in front of us to get into the kingdom, that we would love them, that we'd say, no, you need to understand this love of a father that loves you so much that has a purpose and a destiny for you, not just here on this earth, but for eternity. And that this would be us, that we would be the ones that do this right here. And so this is what we're gonna go through this morning. I just feel like the Lord has this for us. I wanna read this um, before I do. This is out of Song of Solomon. For you men, you're gonna love it. <laughs> you know, Song of Solomon was written by, uh, or Song of Songs was written by Solomon, uh, the wisest man. And so uh, he had an understanding of the love of the Father. And, and what this story is all about, it's a story about a bridegroom, about Jesus as the king coming back for his bride. And it's this wooing of this love relationship to say, oh, I want my bride. I want the church. I'm coming for my church. I'm coming for the body of Christ as he's the head. He's coming back. But it's this bridegroom and bride relationship that is such a beautiful thing. So I just want you to just close your eyes, actually, during this time. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> but close your eyes. And I'm gonna, I want you to hear this. This is actually the bridegroom, King Jesus, speaking to us and wooing us in. And he says this, arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. Come away with me. I have come as you have asked to draw you to my heart and to lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended and the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land. And this is really talking about the harvest. It's when that cooing, it's the, it's the turtle dove. When the, when the turtle dove coos, it's the time of harvest. Goes on to say, filling the air with songs to awaken you, to guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and my plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whisper. There is a change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to a higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. I believe as we talk through this, this is, this is the understanding that we need to have. This is not a, like a condemning, oh, you're not there, you're not doing it. We are doing it. But I believe the Lord is saying in this season, arise. I'm calling you up actually to a higher place. And I want to show you something that I believe maybe we have, but we're going to gain at a greater understanding. This could be part of the download that the Lord has for us, this, this upgrade uh, in this understanding. So I'm going to move through this quickly. Uh, and if you want to follow along, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 13. 
actually, I'm going to go through this really fast, these first few verses. It says, if you're out of, out of, and I'm reading here from the Passion, so I'll have it up here, but you can follow along with your Bibles as well, whatever version you have. And the reason I'm reading, I don't always read from the Passion. I, I love this Passion Bible, but I kind of look at it as a supplement to, you know, I use the NIV or the ESV, uh, but it's great as a supplement uh, to kind of bring things out even to a greater understanding. Uh, so, in this verse 13, it says, if we are out of our minds in a blissful, divine ecstasy, it is for God. And in another translation, it actually says, it's between God and us. But if we're in our right mind, it's for your benefit. And all Paul is doing here is he's setting this up and he's saying, look, there's really two positions that you can be in that, that, that are both of the Lord. And the first one is this, this understanding, it's actually, <laughs> it's when the Holy Spirit comes upon us when there is just kind of this baptism and what the Lord is doing is actually expanding our heart's capacity. He's doing something on the inside of us. And in those times when you see people kind of like laid out or, or they're like kind of feel like they look like they're out of their mind uh, and you go, well, that's crazy. Let the Lord be the judge of that because I believe we've seen so many times the Lord is actually moving on the hearts of people and shifting their hearts in that season and expanding their hearts' capacity for the greater things that, that the Lord wants to use them for when they get back into their right mind. Does that make sense? Um, and so we've seen this a lot. But, and so in those times, that's between you and God. God's doing something. But then he says, Paul says this. He says, but then there are times when you're in your right mind and that's having the mind of Christ, having the mind of the Spirit that for discernment. And in those times, that's for the benefit of those around you. It's not for the benefit of yourself. It's for the benefit of those around you. Okay. Next verse. is for, I'm going to go through 14 and 15 together. It says, for it is Christ's love that fuels our compassion and motivates us. And in the NIV, it says, it's for Christ's love that compels us. So what it is, is this, now Paul takes this and he goes, this is the understanding that you need to have. It's actually out of this compelling of his love. When we understand his love, we're compelled. That word compelled is, uh, I'm not going to say the Greek word, but what it means is it's to seize or to overwhelm or to urge or to completely dominate. And I would say it like this. What Paul is saying is that the love of Christ actually fills our heart to the point where we have no choice but to surrender to God's plan and his purposes. That's the love that he has for us, that we would be so overwhelmed by that love that we'd go, oh God, I can do nothing but serve you because of the love that you have for me. 1 John 4.10 says this, this is love. I love this. He explains love right here. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he actually loved us, that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, that's love, that we would understand the love of the Father and what he did for us. And then he says this, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then he goes, no one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So here's the part that we need to understand. When we love others, it's out of that, if we love one another, his love is made complete. His love is not actually made complete by us loving God or even by him loving us. And we go, oh, wait a minute. No, this is, 
This is the word of God right here. And what it says is his love is actually made complete as we love others. That's the love of God. And this is what Paul begins to to open up to us, this, this understanding that, oh, it's not just about us. There's this song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus does love us, and, and we need to understand that. But a lot of times in the church, it's all about, man, Jesus died just for you. He died just for you. I think that's actually inaccurate. He died for all of us. And he's actually calling us up to a higher place. Yes, if it was just you, he would have died for you. But he didn't just die for you. And so we cannot have this mindset that, well, he just died for me, and I'm saved. I'm good. (laughs) No, no, no. You're not good. There is a greater calling. Getting saved is actually just the beginning of the journey. It's not the end of the journey. There is a lot more to this journey that he has for us. So here we go, continuing on. Uh, In verse 16, it says, so then, from now on, we have this new perspective. What's the new perspective? It's this understanding of the love which is revealed by the Holy Spirit who reveals all things to us. And so, out of this love, it says, we have this new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely based on their outward appearances. If If there's that word refuses in there, it means it's actually, there's a conflict there. What do we tend to do? We tend to judge people and evaluate them by their outward appearance, right? When you see someone on the street and they're drunk or something's going on, like you're like, oh, that guy's, man, he's, he's, you have no idea what's going on in their life. And you have no idea the impact that you could have if compelled by love, you were to say, oh, I need to reach out and show the love of the Father to that person. Where was I? (laughs) So it's for, it says, for, oh wait, can you put that back up? For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. And that's, that we, Paul's talking, and he's like, man, I'm right here with you. Like, I saw the anointed one this way too. I missed it. I didn't have that mindset. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. No longer. Now we have the mind of the Spirit. Now we have that love that's on the inside of us that reveals, through the Holy Spirit, reveals the truth. So I, I, uh, Mother Teresa has this quote that I love. She said, uh, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. It's not our job to judge people. Mercy triumphs judgment. Mercy comes over judgment. And it's our job to bring that mercy, to bring that grace, to bring the love of the Father to others. Let God be the judge. We don't judge. We love. No matter what the situation, no matter how tough it is, no matter if there's somebody who cuts you off, guess what you do? You don't show them the one way to heaven. (laughs) You actually pray for them. (laughs) You actually love them. Because you have no idea what they're going through. And, And if you have the Father's perspective, you say, oh, they just need the love of the Father. They just need to know that God loves them. All right? So no more showing people the way to heaven. <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> we show them a different way. <laughs> now, this is verse 17. It says, now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he's become an entirely new creation. 
All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Guys, this is that, that newness that we have. Everything, we are washed clean. We saw it just here in the baptisms where we go from death to life. We have this new life. And it is, and here's the thing, is it's, it's done, it's finished, but we're also in the process of it. And it's hard to understand because you go, well, wait a minute. Are we the righteousness of God in Christ? Yes. Are we there yet? No. <laughs> we, are, we are becoming more and more like him. As we behold his glory, it says we, we become like him. But we're in that process of being transformed. But yes, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. And it is a finished deal. But we are in process and we need to stay in that process of becoming more and more like him. Okay, next verse, 18. It says, for God made all things new. He has reconciled us to himself and he has given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. So this is it. This is where we begin to get this understanding that changes everything from, okay, it's all about being saved. It's all about having the love of Jesus to, oh, wait, no, there's more. We're actually called to be reconcilers, ministers of reconciliation. This is part of the invitation that we have with the Father on this amazing adventure that he has for us. Let me go into the next verse, which just, just kind of takes it a little further. He says, Paul says this, in other words, it was through the anointed one, being Jesus, that God was shepherding, or in a sense, he was reconciling the world. He says, not even keeping record of their transgressions or of their sins, but he, God, has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. This is a powerful statement, and it's a powerful, uh, I guess it would be, it's a task, it's a ministry, it's a calling. It's saying, hey, you're got, you have the badge now to say you are now reconcilers. We've been handed a baton. Jesus was the initial reconciler. He reconciled us to the Father, but he's handed the baton off to us, and he says, through me, you can now reconcile others to the Father. Only through me, through, not through me, through Jesus. <laughs> Only through Jesus can we actually reconcile others. But we are called ministers of reconciliation. This is a calling on us. This is a task. It's a duty that we have now to be the, the, the ministers of reconciliation. Here's the thing. Um, Christy and I were talking about this the other day. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like this. It's like if you, if you were to go to Disneyland. You guys like Disneyland? Uh, some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are like, no. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh, but imagine you get a ticket. You buy your ticket and you go into Disneyland and you walk in through the gates and you're like, wow, this place is amazing. Look at all the rides. Look at all the stuff going on. And you just stand there and the whole time you're like, Oh, this is great. Now I know what Disneyland's all about. You've actually missed out. Yes, you're in. You've, you've got in the door, and you get to see everything that's going on, but you're missing out. You've, there's actually rides to go on. There's, and that, this is that invitation. It's like, oh, no, you get to go on the rides now. The Lord has an invitation to us to say, hey, I've called you ministers of reconciliation. I've called you to say, you get to actually go and make a difference in people's lives and watch the journey. You get to get on this ride over here, and I'm inviting you to be a part of this. You get to go, 
and, and experience this amazing ride. And then you get off of that ride and you're like, whoo, that was awesome, let's do it again. But then there's some people that are just like, no, I'm good. I'm watching the rides, I'm here. And God's saying, no, 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 I'm calling you up. I'm calling you into more. It's not a place of condemnation. It's a place of, he says, no, I have more for you. Arise, come into the fullness of what I've called for you and watch the ride, watch this adventure that we get to go on together. He's calling us back to the family. God desires to get his family back. And guess what? Guess who he's using to get there? How is he bringing his family back? Is he doing it all himself? He's using us. It only comes through us. So will we be those? The next verse says this. We are ambassadors of the anointed one. So here he is. He's calling us ambassadors of Christ. You guys understand what an ambassador is? It's one that actually gets to speak the words of the king. We are called to be those that call heaven down to earth. There's a really cool note in the Passion Version. This is what it says for, verse, for that verse. It says, to be ambassadors of Christ means that we are his diplomatic agents of the highest rank, sent to represent King Jesus and authorized to speak on his behalf. We are the voice of heaven to the earth. How cool is that? We are actually the voice of heaven to the earth, invested with royal power through the name of Jesus and through the authority of his blood. So God's making his appeal through us. He's using us to make the appeal to say, reconcile everyone to me. He says uh, in 1 Timothy 2.4, God says, I want all people to be saved and come to the knowledge and truth. He wants every person to come to the knowledge of truth, and that only comes from us. So jumping back to verse 20, I'm just going to read it. He says, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through his lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Come back to God. Be reconciled to him. This is who we're called to be those that would tenderly, lovingly say, come back to God, be reconciled to him. Verse 21 says, for God, and this verse, let me just say, this is probably one of the most powerful verses on salvation in the Bible. It explains it all right here. It says, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who do not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. So Paul just kind of lays it out right here and says, this is it. Now, if you go into the next, there's actually verse, the next two verses of chapter 6 should have been in chapter 5, and they had a poor break here. And so I'm going to finish with these last two verses. Um, but in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, it says, as God's fellow workers, we urge you, and this is in the NIV now, sorry. Um, can you jump to, keep going. So chapter 6, 2 Corinthians 6, there it is. Yep. So in the NIV, it says this, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. What is he saying here? Let me just read it in the NLT. It says, as God's partner, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. He's saying, look, you're saved, but don't take the gift of that grace and just hold it to yourself. Don't ignore it. Don't take it in vain. Now, 
use it to be a reconciler for Christ or to God and to be an ambassador. This is the calling that we have in this season. Uh, if I can get uh, Josh to come up. Where's Josh? Josh? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Let me just, I want to say this. I want to tell this story really quick, and then uh, I'm going to have Josh share something, which is amazing. Uh, as he's been, he's been living this. Oh, thank you, love. Sorry, you're not love. This is, this is love. <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> so this is Josh Miller, and he has, been, uh, he has been living this, and I just wanted him to share uh, just some, some testimonies of what God is actually doing as he has been. I've been watching him just be this ambassador of Christ. I've been watching him being this reconciler, uh, this, carrying the ministry of reconciliation, which has just been amazing. But let me just, as he's up here, you just get to stand here for a second as I, as I just give this part. But there is a, in, a, in Luke 10, there's this amazing story that's told. And, and many of you have heard this, especially if you grew up in the church. It's the story of the Samaritan man. And uh, you probably colored a little bit and seen the flannel graphs and all that stuff, right? Uh, but there's, this, there's ex, this expert of the law, and he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what does it take for me to come into the kingdom to, for, to, to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And so he goes, well, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. And he goes, perfect, you got it. And then he goes, well, wait, what does it mean to love your neighbor? <laughs> And so Jesus goes, well, let me tell you a story. And he tells a story about, the, about this man who's, uh, who's beaten up, he's robbed, he's left for dead on the side of the road. And you have a priest that walks by, you have a Levite that walks by, and then you have this Samaritan man that walks by. And the thing about the Samaritan man is this is actually one that was racially despised by, the Israel, uh, by all of Israel and by the Jews. So he's using this Samaritan man to make a strong point. And at the end of it, he says, so who's the guy? Who's the one? They're like, well, it was the, it was the Samaritan man that, uh, <laughs> that was the one who was merciful. And he's like, go and do likewise. But I, wanna, I want you to hear this. Uh, Martin Luther King, he told this story. And, uh, you know, he was assassinated on April 4th, 1968. And on April 3rd, 1968, this is the story he told that evening of the Samaritan man. And he tells the story, and he goes through it. And at the end, this is what he says. He says, when the priests and the Levites passed by, what was the question that was asked? And the question that was asked is, if I stop and help this person, what will happen to me? And then the Samaritan man, when he when he came by, he reversed the question. And he says this, if I do not stop to help this person, what will happen to them? And I believe this morning, this is the mind shift that we're gonna begin to get. That when we look at someone, it's not about what's gonna happen to me? How's this gonna affect my schedule? What's gonna happen to my time? Is this really gonna help the person? But we're gonna say, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And who's going to be the one to help them? Guys, if it's not us, who's it going to be? I want to show you this quick video. This is 
this was Josh. Uh, he has been just impacting people. Uh, and it's not, this isn't to boast for Josh. This is actually just to see that when we step into the things of the Lord, this is an amazing journey uh, that we get to go on with him. So can you, can you play that video? Do we have that? You'll like this. Show me one more time your shoulder. I want to I wanna see this here. Here, let's go over here a little bit so you can stretch your arm out. So Josh had just prayed for her for healing for All her. Right. You, which way you want it. Would you just show me what you could do now that you couldn't do before? I couldn't do this. Okay. Without, I couldn't do it. Now go backwards. Look here. <laughs> Look here. How long has it been since you could do that? Look at that. All right, now roll that shoulder around. Roll, whoops. Roll that shoulder around. There you go. No pain. No pain at all? Zero? Oh, no. Zero pain? It's, it's gone? You can't leave here. You have to stay here. So. <laughs> How's it feel? I can't tell you. It's, it's not real. Oh, there's your t my two boys when they were little. <laughs> you know what? It's supernatural. It's not natural. It's supernatural. See if you can go out sideways a little bit. Yeah, you couldn't get anywhere close to that. I couldn't do that. But I'm going to do it all day. Amen. So let me, I don't want to take credit for this. You know your father healed you, right? But you are the, you're this messenger. That's all I am. Well, that's Better, that's the best kind. <laughs> Your shoulder is so much, it's, it's oh, a lot straighter. I couldn't do this. It was, it was so, it was like up here. Yes. And now it's actually moving back. Yes. Look at that. Look. Look at that. Oh yeah, that's it right there. It's about I, to pop. It's about to pop into place. See, do that a little more if you can. <laughs> there you go. That's okay. No pain with that? Don't you leave yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, Amen. That, uh, that was a lady, Donna, um, on one of my job sites, a build I was having this week. And um, she's actually a very special lady. She's had dinner with Prince William. She's had dinner with Walt Disney when he was, he was alive. She cooked for Walt Disney several times. And uh, it was really special. And... I, being inconvenient, let me attest to that, is super inconvenient. I had about uh, 60 roofers outside tearing through a community, and this was very inconvenient. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to give one other testimony. God's, he's done a lot uh, in the last three weeks. About three weeks ago, me and my wife started really pressing in, and it wasn't because we're super spiritual. It was because we really needed God in our lives uh, for some stuff we're walking through as a family. And uh, something shifted as we were getting up early and just seeking God. Um, I don't really know how to explain it, but it, nothing's been the same since then. Uh, I met a homeless couple uh, down in the Colorado Springs at a gas station. I was going to get some water, and there was a guy, David, and his wife, Stephanie. And I've always passed by these people my entire life and thought, well, if they want help, they can change something, or they can do something themselves. And God's just reworked my vision, how I see people. Um, David knew the Lord, and uh, they got stuck in Colorado Springs. They've been there for several years now. They were living in a tent. And Stephanie thought she knew the Lord, but she didn't. She, she knew the Lord up here. It had never came down into her heart. Uh, Stephanie got saved at the gas station right there. And, and I was just asking the father, I was like, Father, what do you want me to do? What is my, what is my job? Um, 
because I can get stuck in my head as well. I only want to do what you tell me to do. And I had no plan. I had no clue what I was doing. He just said, go put him up in the Doubletree Hotel. So I did that. Uh, three nights passed. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, I had a preacher call me from Alabama, and he is reopening a home in Alabama. And yesterday we got to send him on a plane to go to their new home. And she's going to be home for the first time in a long time for her birthday. And it's, it happens to be 45 minutes away from their kids. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, give it up for Jesus. It's definitely, definitely Jesus. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been really good. And I just, I just pray that God will open all of our eyes. Because uh, the story of the Samaritan, I love that. That's, that's who I am. Um, I, the devil told me, you know, a lot these last couple of weeks, you have no right. You have no right to do this. You're unworthy to do this. And God just keeps saying it's because of the blood of Jesus. That's the only worthiness you have. And uh, it's, it's been a really, really good time. That's awesome. Uh, we, were, we were talking, and, and he said something that really caught me. He said, uh, I feel like I'm, like, flying above the jet stream right now. And um, he's been sending me just, I've seen all these things of every person he goes to go to a restaurant or something and just pray for a person and they get healed. And then, you know, he'll go into a store and, and pray for someone there and they get healed. And, uh, and what it is, it's just, it is that inconvenient ministry of saying, hey, like wherever we are and whatever we're doing, that we would actually just stop for the one that's right in front of us. You know, there's a quote from Heidi Baker and she says, ministry is simply loving the person in front of you. It's about stopping for the one and being the very fragrance of Jesus to a lost and dying world. That's all we're called to do, is just stop for the one, to have that inconvenient ministry. There's, you know, we talked about all the things, the convenient ministries, and those are amazing, and I'm not discounting those in any way. And I just want to say, those are so powerful. But it's, this is kind of this next level that I believe God is raising us up to as we become family, as we understand what it means to be family in the body of Christ, that actually now's the time that we say, okay, we're going to be inconvenienced in this life. And I want to encourage you, actually, why don't we stand up? I'm going to close this. Um, I want to encourage you. I just want to pray for a minute and just, just stop and just listen to the Lord. And I just want to ask the Lord to just reveal something to you, an opportunity to even this week to just minister to someone's heart, to make a difference in someone's life. And you may not even know what exactly it is, and it may come uh, at a very inopportune moment where you're like, ah, I just don't have the time. But I, you'll remember back to this time, and I believe the Lord's going to do something and shift something in our hearts. And actually, I'm going to have Josh, will you pray? I feel like you're supposed to pray. So, Father, we just come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, God. Lord, I want to thank you for what you're doing in my heart and my family's heart. Jesus, you taught us to pray for laborers. You said their fields are wide into harvest, God. You showed me that. It's everywhere. They're everywhere. I pray, God, that you would light a fire in this body of Christ right here, Lord, that it would spread so contagiously throughout all the earth, God, and that we would see this last great harvest, Lord, that we'd be able to have something to present to you, Jesus, because you've given us everything, God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you'll break our hearts for people again. Give us your eyes, Father. Help us not to chase signs, God, but that signs would follow us as we go out in the love of Christ. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
love you guys. Have an awesome week. And remember, we are called ministers of reconciliation. We are called the ambassadors of Christ. Let's go. Let's make a difference. Let's share the love of Jesus with those around us. If you want any prayer, uh, we're going to have ministry teams up front. You can come and receive prayer. Love you. Have an awesome, awesome week with him. God bless.